The stick up the slot. Miller lost it. Dodonov gets it. Two on one with Stone on the right. Stone to Dodonov. He scores. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Maybe a two on one. Petrangelo gets it. He shoots. He scores. Short-handed goal. Alex Petrangelo. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace Millard, Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... Holy cow, do we have a lot to get to today. Uh, We are going to recap and grade last night's uh, 12-10 victory by the Vegas Golden Knights who just stormed back and took one away against the Dallas Stars. Was that not a wild, crazy game? And I'm going to share something with you that I said during the game that you'll say, nah, you're lying, but it's absolutely true. Uh, I know that. And we are also going to get into the hiring of a general manager by the Vancouver Canucks. We will digest the Arizona Coyote situation. I was going to bring it up in one-timers. I teased it yesterday, but it's a a bigger conversation than just a one-timer. Because of what's happening with the uh, the Arizona Coyotes, and there is some uh, news and notes uh, coming in uh, around the National Hockey League. A key game tonight that's uh, just about to get underway between two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Try and tell those teams apart. Uh, a little history again on the line for Mark Andre Fleury as he chases down that 500th victory, and it uh, could happen in a very special locale: Islanders at home. Trying to win at uh, USB Arena. <laughs> See what I did there? Chapman? See what I did there? Trolling. That's what I'm doing. It's yeah. UBS Arena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody mentioned yeah. it to me the other day when I kept calling it USB Arena. Well, I kind of liked yeah, you uh, called, just embarrassing yourself. Yeah. Called trolling. It's called yeah. trolling. Yeah. yeah. I didn't do it on purpose. Well, then it's the not trolling. <laughs> just now I did it on purpose. The other day when yes. I was calling it USB yes. Arena. It was totally my fault. Well, you know what USB really is, I, right? What I is just, it? I, US... I thought you needed a phone charger. Yeah, USB is like the little thing oh, you plug. I, I know that, okay. but what does it stand for? <laughs> I know what a USB is. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I don't know what it stands for. Universal, I don't know after that. Yeah, Symbol? please keep going. No, I, I have no idea after that. Does it, do, do you think the U means universal? Yeah. Does, does Are you it, sure? Does it not? Are you sure? Listen, you know me. I have I have the confidence, like, like, like a guy who's had a few too many, and swears he could he could beat uh, Joe Montana throwing the football. Yeah, that's the that's the. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I I have an official uh, ruling on this one, Chapman. You got the first word correct. Is it Universal Serial Bus? It. Well, I, I you just bust? Yeah, you just Googled it. No, my buddy yeah, texted that's me. That's fine. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> Mark. He's the guy who knew that Bruce Boudreau was in Slapshot, by the Everybody way. Everybody knew Bruce Boudreau was in Slapshot. No, Slap but he knew, he knew exactly who he was in Slapshot. Yes. He knew he played for the Presidents. Everybody knew Bruce Boudreau. I didn't. And don't you know? Didn't, didn't you know that it was his apartment? No. Yeah, Paul Newman's apartment in Slapshot. Yeah. Was actually Bruce Boudreaux's oh, that's, apartment. That's fantastic. See, Mark, now you got another another trivia question. Yeah, 
So when 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 Newman's doing like they go back and follow him around and all that, that when he goes home, that's Boudreaux's apartment. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Not a very nice apartment. Well, Bruce has come a long way. Yeah, boy. yeah, I'd say so. A long way. <laughs> from from Johnstown or wherever it was where they, they filmed they, that. They they may have taken some liberties with the apartment too. <laughs> but nowadays that would all happen on a set somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You would never just go there and use No, that, that's apartment. that's what's awesome though. Bruce is a legend. I mean, he already was, but mm-hmm. he's now even higher up in the legendary status. Here's something really weird. Uh my friend owns a bar in Winnipeg. Awesome bar. And what a movie company came in, shot a uh, a movie about a Chinese restaurant. And they made it, the whole thing, this awesome cool bar into a Chinese restaurant. Instead of just going to a Chinese restaurant and making that into the movie set. I wish I had more time in Winnipeg because I probably would have found my way to quite a few more bars. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> uh, what about uh, last night? The, the post-game availability was awesome. Uh, we got some comments coming from that. But uh, uh, big takeaways from the performance by the Golden Knights as they erase a, a multi-goal deficit on two occasions and uh, a change of goaltending that uh, seemed to spark uh, the, the, the tide although maybe it was just not, not going to the penalty box. But a uh, big takeaway for you, Ryan Wallace, from last night. Yeah, Mark Stone. It, it was one of those vintage Mark Stone performances. And, you know, I, you were hoping for it. You were waiting for it. You were looking for it. And, you know, he's he's been fine since getting back from injury. He's been over a point a game, piling up the assists, creating offense for sure. But the fact that Mark Stone not once but twice was able to tie that game last night was able to be – uh, the spark that the Golden Knights needed and had a monster game. That's my big takeaway from, from last night is just the ability for Mark Stone to be that driver and completely overtake a game. Did you check the ice time and, and see where, where it ranked with, with even strength uh, allotment between the three lines? Because uh, that was a game where five on five, they were so good uh, throughout the game that... Mm-hmm you almost got the impression that they were just rolling, rolling over. It, uh, yeah, it, it was 2-1-3. So the, the most minutes went to the misfits, and then hmm. it was Stone, Pacioretty, Stevenson, and then uh, a little bit of a drop-off, probably two-and-a-half-ish minutes uh, between those two lines and your third line. So it's still really even. Pretty balanced, yeah. Really Pretty even balanced. Uh, and, for 5 and on even, 5 time. even your fourth line. And even your fourth line was was flirting with about 10 minutes. So pretty balanced attack from the Golden Knights last night for sure. 15 and 10 for the Vegas Golden Knights. They have uh, won three in a row. Uh, They've taken the first two of this four-game homestand. Back at it against the Philadelphia Flyers uh, Friday night, uh, tomorrow night at uh, T-Mobile Arena. Today is Thursday. And then they wrap it up Sunday against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Looking forward to those two games. But uh, uh, kicking off homestands and and really putting some points in the the bank is great. And and Dallas, I mean, I thought Dallas was going to do to Vegas what Vegas did to Dallas when they met the (laughs) first time this year uh, because that – that first game was dominated by the Stars, and the Golden Knights found a way to win. And last night, it was it was the exact opposite. Vegas was all over them and couldn't beat Braden Holtby, and, and the Stars were just getting pucks to, to find holes. 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It, it certainly felt that way. It was in some ways on the scoreboard reminiscent of that game in Anaheim where the Golden Knights kept getting to within one but could not find the equalizer. They just couldn't find that next play when they were right back into the game. But, you know, this was a, a game where the Golden Knights' five-on-five five play is a model. That's how you want them to play most nights, and if they do, they'll win. Special teams, for me, going into the game last night was going to be the story, and it certainly was for the Dallas Stars as they go three-for-three three on the power play. Uh, Golden Knights' penalty kill it has been so, so good over the last five or six games but in that stretch they've seen some really really strong power plays and you know last night everything kind of broke the way of the Dallas Stars it certainly set up for uh, the Golden Knights to lose that game a game that they deserve to win uh, and it was nice to see that they were able to stick with it didn't deviate from the game plan and found a way to win last night was one of those games where uh, I'll, and I'll admit the, that I, I do this every now and then, is right before I come on for the postgame show, and we didn't have one uh, last night because the game was on national television on TNT, but I'll, mm-hmm. I'll just turn around and look at the scoreboard just to make sure that uh, that I'm on point with with exact with everything because you're 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 talking to the producer you're doing all these notes and what's what rollins and what topics you're going to talk about last night was one of those games where I would have had to double check the score a couple of times because it was changing it was it was like Dallas had the early advantage Vegas looked like they were right back in the game then it changed and then the missed goal and uh, open net for Sagan and the mm-hmm. the rally by the Vegas Golden Knights I Things happened so fast in in the second and the third periods that uh, that you were you were just trying to play catch up in, in the game, and then ends up being another nine goal game. Vegas may single handedly be responsible for knocking the goal per game up average up in the National Hockey League this year. Well, the Golden Knights and perhaps the the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. I think they've they've scored for the second time this year seven goals in back to back games. So. Quite a quite a bit of goal scoring from the the Wester the West the Honda West Division's two best teams last year, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the Golden Knights outscored their problems last night. And their problems were just an inability to get a stop on the penalty kill. But even like in looking at the goals that were scored, it, I don't know that. You know, you, you just look at that and you say collectively the penalty kill was bad. It was a couple of bounces. The the Jason Robertson shot just kind of floats through everybody that, that's in front of Robin Leonard. Joe Pavelski makes an elite play. That's probably the, the truest of the true power play goals of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then a broken play off of a faceoff. Like, the, there weren't, like, moments where I felt like the, the penalty kill was completely overwhelmed by Dallas. But you got to give the the stars credit. They they didn't have a good game five on five, and they were right there. They were right there with uh, with ten minutes left in the third period. Thinking about this driving over, what was the biggest goal for the Vegas Golden Knights last night? So, okay, the you would you would argue you would think that it's probably. Mark Stone's goal to tie the game. And and that's kind of where I leaned initially. But I'll tell you, I, I think that Michael Amadio goal, right after it became 4-2, to two, to be able to get the answer from your fourth line off of a really hard-working shift within a minute to get right back to, to making this a one-goal game, I feel like that was kind of the moment where the Dallas Stars were like, oh, no, okay, this is, this is not going to end well for us. I think you're wrong. Chapman? I I initially well my thought is that it's the Marcia so goal because they Which had was the, the second goal two, yeah 
the second goal. So they had struggled in special teams all night, and you get the delay penalty, and you get the goal at six on five. I thought from that moment on, outside of the Pavelski goal, the Knights dominated that game. They were far superior to the Dallas Stars from the moment Jonathan Marshall so scored that goal outside of the Pavelski goal. Mark Stone's first of the night, which came at the tail end of a power play early in the second period, that was huge for confidence coming off the the three power plays that the third one that spilled over into the second period in the opening frame. Thought that was massive, and I thought, well, geez, Jonathan Marcheseau finally finding a hole on Braden Holtby. Like, how do you ignore that? Uh, which which knocks the gap to within one going to the third period. That's huge. Man, like, how do you ignore Amadio's goal? It's just seconds after Joe Pavelski gave the Dallas Stars. A, a two goal cushion. Man, like, are you are you nuts? Like Mark Stone's goal to tie it was was like just ignited the building, blew the roof off it. And who 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 goes by the winning goal? I think it's a five way tie. And and and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that just to be funny and goofy, but I, I can make a case for every one of those goals to be yeah. the key goal or the momentum changer or the 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 confidence builder in, in a, in a five, four game. And not all the time you can say that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm not going to disagree with you there. I, I don't, I don't really have strong, strong feelings be, uh, to, to argue with but you. Because just every most times there's, goal, there's obvious ones, yeah, right? Yeah. That, no, because every, every goal was important. Every goal meant something within the context of the golden Knights getting back in this game and, and creating that comeback. Perhaps the most impactful play of the game isn't even a Golden Knights goal. No. It's Tyler Sagan missing a wide-open net. and Hold on, hold on. Go ahead. I don't think enough is paid to Alex Petrangelo's effort on that play to, to disrupt a hurry. And, and I know uh, I agree Sagan missing the net is, is huge. But I think every time we mention it through the next mm-hmm. two hours of this show – we should acknowledge Petrangelo being able to at least disrupt the thought and not not make it an easy tap in. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. It, it's it's Petrangelo making a play. It's Tyler Sagan not making a play, uh, and that is really what opened the door for the Golden Knights to get back and, and eventually win the game. So what what was more impressive? And I love these these little debates and these comparisons. Like mm-hmm. Sunday's game was clinical. Yeah. Last night was a loose, ragged at times, but very entertaining and gutsy performance uh, by, by the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's funny because the game against Dallas was fun. Like, it was infinitely fun. There were moments that had you kind of on the edge of your seat. You were you were waiting for that next puck to go in for the Golden Knights. As you mentioned, Darren, when Mark Stone scored to make it 4-4, four to four, that's probably the loudest I've heard that building all year long. The roof blew off of T-Mobile Arena. It was electric. And, you know, I, I think that the way the Golden Knights played at 5-on-5 five five was so important and really impressive against this Dallas Stars team. Like I, I, you know, I, I get that they had to come from behind. I get that they had to scratch and claw, but it wasn't a traditional game where they were being they were outplayed and they found a way to win. They were dominant when 
in every facet of the game that wasn't special teams, and they still had to, to, to dig deep. I think you pull more from this win than maybe you do from that Calgary win. So I said in the second period, Vegas is going to win. Down 3-1, I said you? Vegas is going to win. Down 4-2 yeah. in the third, I said Vegas is going to win. It just <laughs> it, it had that feel to it. Even yeah. though Dallas was converting on virtually every opportunity that, that they had, and Vegas was, was swimming uphill for the whole way. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't give you that vibe like in the bubble when they were playing Dallas, where trying to just break through. And, and this is when Holby was playing well too. Like yeah. Holby didn't yeah. play poorly. I just Vegas has that swagger right now, that that confidence, and I, I can't put. I can't tell you why I feel that way in just looking at them. But there's something different about this group now than there was a week ago with the confidence. I, I still think that they're in the win any way possible and the process uh, aside, uh, which is why I'm a little more accepting of, of the way it went last night. And the players certainly want to play a, a more 60-minute game like they did on, on Sunday. But even, even though they trailed virtually that whole game, there was just a part, uh, a big part of me that had full confidence that eventually it was going to turn and they were going to start to get some bounces. I can't explain what it was. Well, I, I, I feel like there was an inevitability to the way that they were playing. Like, they had the puck all game long. They were in the offensive zone all, all, all game long. They were throwing everything at the net and getting really good looks. Like, it's one thing to have... 50 shots on goal and everything from the perimeter. But the Golden Knights were getting in, and they were making Braden Holtby have to make some difficult saves. There were some really good looks for Evgeny Dodonov. There were some really, really good looks uh, for Will Carrier in tight uh, on on Braden Holtby. I thought the Golden Knights worked really hard for their scoring chances. And, you know, I, I don't know that there was a moment within the game where I said, okay, I think the Golden Knights are going to win. Probably the closest I got was the Amadio goal immediately after that 4-2 goal from mm-hmm. Joe Pavelski. I felt like you answer that quickly, you put yourself in a really good position. Um, you know, And then you know the way that Mark Stone played last night, I was encouraged by that. and It felt like it was going to be either – that Anaheim game all over again. The Golden Knights pressed and just ran out of time. And if you would have played 65 minutes or 70 minutes, Vegas would have won. They would have found a way. Um, but last night, they didn't run out of time. They, they were just that good for that fin- 35 minutes um, after after the goalie pull. They were just phenomenal. There was a fun exchange between Mark Stone and uh, Alex Petrangelo and postgame uh, podium last night regarding the expressiveness uh, of Mark Stone. But the the idea that this team uh, can play and win when they're not at their best defensively gives me even more confidence about this whole idea of, of chasing things down uh, the way they are, where they are uh, in in the standings right now. Last night was, was a big win, but there was also a big moment in that game last night, and that was when Pete DeBoer made the goaltending change. And sure. I'm going to refer to it as a goaltending change, not not pulling Mark uh, Robin Leonard, because yeah. I, I, I think that's what it was, way more than uh, taking a goaltender out who is struggling. There's times when you have to get a guy out because, yeah. he, like, you're going to do some damage statistically to to everybody. 
and yeah. and, and players, uh, players plus minus, they don't want to be out there if the guy's struggling and you're going to be a dash four because your goaltender's just not feeling it that night. That wasn't the case last night. And uh, there was a, a, a feeling just to, to shock them. I, they weren't playing terrible. But that the power play for Dallas was striking all over the place, and that was that was just a, a wake up call. And it it's weird how it works by changing your goaltender sometimes, even though it's not the goalie's fault. It will have an effect. And I'd love to talk to a coach, uh, Scotty Bowman, or well, Scotty never had to pull his goalie in the seventies uh, because they won every game. But uh, that'd be a fun fact to figure out. How many times was Ken Dryden taken out from uh, from a game? But but when when that started, when because you had one goaltender for the longest time, and then uh, when you had actually a, a backup goaltender uh, post expansion uh, from from sixty seven on, which is half a century ago now, uh, when, when that started, when a, when a coach would just take a goaltender out because the team was struggling, not the goaltender, to just change things up instead of benching a player, because when it, when it, when it, things aren't going great, and I'm thinking through the lens of the head coach, bench a player, sit a player down, but so many mm-hmm. times coaches will take make the goaltender the focal point and that was certainly the better strategy last night than say sitting down somebody from one of the top 3 lines because they were playing well 5 on 5 just not getting not getting some uh, some support out of it yeah i mean i i i think it was the right decision in the moment like again i i look at the goals that were scored i look at the fact that you know with Dallas, every bounce on the power play just seemed to go their way. Uh, you're you're trying to send a little bit of a message. You're trying to to get your team's attention. Um, if if for no other reason, stop taking penalties, right? Yes. Like just just stop doing that um, and move your feet and and get to playing your game. And and you know I. It sucks because in the moment, Robin Leonard wears that, and it, and it's it's unfortunate because it wasn't a message to Robin Leonard. It was a message to every single person on the ice for the Golden Knights, and it's a message. They got loud and clear, and they came back and won the game, and that's really all you needed out of that moment. Uh, but it was one of those things where you know Pete, Pete DeBoer's philosophy. He rarely pulls goalies. This is a last resort type of situation for him, and he felt last night that game was still within reach. So he did it, and it paid off. Stay with me. Stay with me here. When you say Robin Leonard wore it, yeah, he had to wear it. But he wore it well. And what I mean mean by that is he came off, and he had a reason to be sour because he'd allowed three goals, and he was looked like he was going to take the loss if, if something dramatic didn't happen. The dramatic did happen. And I know of a lot of players who would go down that tunnel and do a little whack, break, swear, shock, mm-hmm. like vent. And, I mean, you might do it. I, I probably would do it. Chapman would definitely do it. There'd be a, a yard sale of equipment down that hallway <laughs> and multiple broken sticks. Yeah. But but Leonard didn't do that. And he he took off his gear and stood right there, and every time that I looked down, or in the third period, I watched it on, on television to get uh, my fix of uh, Darren Pang, and I saw him on TV, he was the biggest cheerleader out mm-hmm. there. 
And I thought that was a great moment, even though there was, there was the, the, the crowd's reaction, which I think was, was misguided. But yeah. I, I was really impressed with Robin Leonard's reaction to how that went down, too. He didn't, he didn't take his five minutes to calm down. He sat yeah. on the bench, stayed right there, and became the cheerleader. And you, you saw a couple of replays uh, if, you, if you watch the game on television. And uh, he, was, he was up. He was involved in the game. He was engaged. And then uh, after the game, he was front and center in the celly. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you heard it last night in, in the postgame availability, like the, the acknowledgement of, of how much of a team player Robin Leonard is. And you know, last night, in, in that moment, his leadership came through with shining colors. He was what his team needed him to be in the moment, and it's it's genuine. Like, I think the only thing that matters to Robin Leonard when it comes to the Golden Knights right now is winning hockey games, right? Like, everyone's got the same goal. Everyone's pulling on the same rope. And, you know, last night it was it was a weird game. It was it was a strange situation for the Golden Knights to be down 3-1 to one, uh, because they allowed three power play goals, but... Robin Leonard, to his credit, was right there and involved with that team right down to the wire. And, and I think that that's one of those situations where uh, if you were uh, a fan yesterday that cheered the goalie change, maybe that gives you something to think about mm-hmm. and maybe you change your mind a little bit because this is a guy that all he cares about right now is winning for this club and this city. And it's ridiculous that that was the reaction last night. And and people are noticing that this team's healthy and they're winning hockey yeah. games. I chatted chatted with uh, Ray Ferraro for the chirp today, and and he was just raving. He, he for one, he did the the game on Friday night against Arizona and saw them in full go mode. Yeah, as they yeah. they filled in the the Coyotes. But one thing that we talked a lot about in the first twenty games with Chapman, Wallace, and Millard. Over and over, find a way to win. That's it. Get through this phase, but find a way to win. It doesn't have to be the same way every night, as long as you get two points out of it. Isn't it funny? You look back to Friday, Sunday, and Wednesday. You're getting healthier. you got your big boys going. And you have three very different results. A blowout win. A clean, close victory, but the cleanest game you've played all year. And then one that's clunky, but features resiliency in the end. And this is this is when you've got your group, and they, mm-hmm. they find ways to win. So I, I think there's part of the identity from the first 20 that is also that we've witnessed front and center in the last three. Chapman. Yeah, just to touch on a little bit what Ryan was mentioning in the postgame, uh, Laurent Brassois made mention of the fact that there was no bigger supporter of him when he went in than Robin Leonard. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he made sure that we knew that. And the other aspect of this is you talked about leadership, Ryan. I like that Mark Stone and, and you know, we, we've heard why he's the captain and, and the players on the team will tell you there's a reason why he's a captain. But he sort of took ownership of the fact that the goalie change needed to be made when he said, hey. At the end of the day, we allowed three goals on the on on their power play. We allowed three goals on the kill. So mm-hmm. yes, Leonard was was extremely supportive of Brossois, but the team also took themselves and held themselves accountable for the fact that they did allow those three goals in. And 
quite honestly, I, I, I don't know if, if you could logistic, le- legitimately blame Robin Leonard for any of those goals because, as you mentioned, broken play. I swear, I, I, I'm, conf- I'm confident he did not see that first shot. And the no. third goal was was oh, a was a complete tip-in. The first, and it, the it was a great shot, play. The first shot wins you a croquet world championship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, go, it goes through three <laughs> sets of legs. In baseball, we call yeah. that a seeing-eye single because that's that's what it was. It, it was one of those that you have no idea how it got through, and you know that, that Robin didn't see it. But if there's anything I've learned about Robin Leonard, it's that he will – get back to work he will work harder and he'll be he'll be better even though I don't know if he was bad last night so on the goaltending front though we, we haven't mentioned Laurent Bressois. Oh, he played great he's like, played great all season but being able to come in and and hold the fort allowed one on 13 they, yeah. the, the the starts are important but usually when when the the backup in this situation with with a Robin Leonard where there's a clear-cut number one the backup goes in to mop up in a in a game where you've got no chance to come back. Yeah. He found a way to get two points out of that in relief. That's really rare that you take over from a bona fide number one and the backup ends up winning the game. He battled. I mean like he he battled and the Golden Knights battled in front of him, right? Like that was that was a a, a strong uh, 37 minutes from the Golden Knights where they put the full court press on the Dallas Stars and Brossois had to come up with some big saves, uh, a couple right off the bat. But yeah, I mean, y- you still had to believe in that moment. And, you know, I I think Pete did. You make this change, you wake your team up, you get them going, and perhaps we still have a chance in this one. And you know what? The Golden Knights were able to find two points and in large part, to the decision to make the change, in large part to Loren Brassois coming in and really holding the fort. And, you know, the Golden Knights not giving up until that final horn. They, this is a team that believes they can come back from any deficit at any time against any team. Some stats for you coming out of that last night's game. Just mm-hmm. little different uh, numbers. 22 shots in the second period Yep. for the Golden Knights. Yep. That, that's, that's puck. <laughs> Control. I don't know what the yeah. the uh, shots attempt. Like, there was twenty two on net, so there's probably thirty five shot attempts. Uh, when you look at uh, at pluses and minus, Petrangelo, Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, Max Pacioretty, all plus three for the night. And when you, you want the shot, and you want point, the shot attempts from the second. From the second, yeah, thirty six to fourteen. Yeah, so I was right on the money. Wow. Look at you. Good job. It's just guess from being old. Kind of add <laughs> at a certain number for every every shot that actually finds the finds the net. But plus three for Pacioretty, Stone, Stevenson, and Petrangelo. And then points, Mark Stone let everybody three. His his post game comment about scoring a goal and his performance was yeah. one of the coolest I've I've heard. That it had been since last year. What do yeah. you say? Since eight eight months or so since he actually scored a goal on a goalie, because his yeah, uh, he, his goal on another goal this year was was an empty netter. I've never heard it phrased that way. Yeah, he he said to I mean to in his walk off with Dan and Gary, yeah. he said something to the to the effect of I, I'd like to say it, it it's you know it's in due time, uh, it's about time because 
Uh, last time I scored was Game Five of uh, of that Colorado series against the goalie, and I just <laughs> I thought that was the greatest thing. Yeah, um, but, I mean, like, and you know, it, it, I posed the question to you pregame, right? Like, at what point do you need to see? that type of game for Mark Stone where he kind of dominates everything. He puts the puck in the back of the net. He scores goals against goalies. Um, it came last night, and it couldn't have been at a better time because if not for the heroics of Mark Stone, that's a very different game, and we're having a very different conversation right now. Yeah, you need it because you're in a hole. Somebody had to yeah. pull you back. Yeah. Uh, one other number just to throw your way, and uh, ice time is something that uh, that – I'm one of those ice time guys. I don't necessarily think that it's indicative, but so, I, I track it because sometimes like this number will jump out at you. Riley Smith, mm-hmm. 21-12 last night uh, mm-hmm. of ice time. And that that led all forwards. Riley Smith. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think, yeah, you had to rely a little bit more on on that misfit line at last night with uh, the amount of of power play opportunities, penalty kill opportunities. There were there was a lot of special teams play, and I know it all happened in the first period, more or less, middle of the second period. But uh, a lot of minutes logged for Riley Smith, William Carlson, and uh, Jonathan Marchessault. But you know, I thought Riley had a really good game. There were some looks where. Uh, he gets behind the defense. He he could have very easily changed that game early on for the Golden Knights, but Braden Holpe was really good. Final one. Nick Hag. Seven shots on goal. Mm-hmm. That was uh, equaled uh, for the for the team high for the Golden Knights with Jonathan Marsh or so. But but he had thirteen uh, fourteen attempts. Fourteen attempts. That's amazing. Good for him. He's. He's so active. So active, but I, we knew there was an offensive side of his game. It, <laughs> I mean, we, we talked yeah. uh, and heard about the shot over and over. Yeah. Uh, his roaming uh, senses are great. Like hockey sense, roams around. And, and this, this pairing, it's, it's like that, de- that defensive group, they've been paired together, like oh, one another. All over for the last three years, some some time, shape, form, or another, they've all played with each other. But this yeah. this different this pairing with with Petrangelo and Hag, I like it. I, I like White Cloud and, and Hag too. But mm-hmm. but this what the, this phase that they're going through right now, I think it's pretty cool. And and I think it's going to it'll do wonders for White Cloud with Theodore. And I think it's gonna have huge impact in the uh, development and mentorship of Haig. I mean, those two guys, Petrangelo and Haig in the offensive zone, good luck. Like, if you're you're a defense, you're trying to sort all that out with how aggressive Alex Petrangelo is and how aggressive in the play Nick Haig is, like, good luck sorting that out. And it's just fun to watch. It's so fun to watch those two go to work in the offensive zone. Bring you some sound from uh, Petrangelo on Mark Stone, the expressiveness of the captain. Uh, we'll also uh, hear from Max Pacioretty and Jonathan Marcheseau on playing with Carlson because they've been back together for a couple of games and it's just like old times. I, like, How often has there been a legitimate nickname for a line? There's the odd line that you'll, you'll, you'll tag with with a nickname, but very, very few times 
does a nickname become like the calling card of mm-hmm. of a of a unit, the perfection line, the triple crown line. There's there's been uh, I don't know how many lines Gretzky played on, where there was anything other than Gretzky's line. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah. Come on. But there was, but it I was, think it was I think Gretzky, it's, Curry, and whoever else. Dave Semenko for a while. Uh, yeah, there there's, there's 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 been lots of great players, but I think it's really neat that it's a legit. I was in the Arsenal today, uh, doing some Christmas shopping, and they yeah. have a that that great T-shirt with the uh, you know the the apple for the uh, Riley Smith. Uh, they have the the Western guy for Wild Bill and and I. You mean a cowboy? Cowboy, the Western guy. Western boy, cowboy, oh, Wild Bill, gosh. and then the the, guy. the 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 bullhorn uh, for Marcheso, and I had family in last week, and we were we were looking at it, and I went back and, and got one today. Uh, yeah. It's just a cool. They they wanted to know what the story was, and I said, "Well, it's their emojis," and and explained it. That's pretty cool mm-hmm. that you have a legitimate line that's called the Misfits. Uh, Marcheso was asked about it today. We'll tell you about uh, his comments, and we'll also get into what's happening in and around the National Hockey League. Another just ugly development in the status of the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, a big hit on Broadway last night, uh, but it didn't result in a suspension. Uh, that's big. And uh, we'll tell you all about Marc-Andre Fleury and his quest. It's the VGK Insider Show here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Really surprised at what Vancouver did today. Not not with who they hired as the new general manager for the Canucks, but that it happened so quickly. Uh, and this was all on the owner, despite uh, going with a conglomerate, a group, to run the general managership. There's a great tweet that came out today uh, mm. talking about Stan Smeal being the greatest general manager in Vancouver Canucks history. <laughs> 2 and 0. Oh, and then hands off the reins. And the yeah. and the follow up to the tweet was, "What's a guy got to do to keep a job?" As That's a, Tyler st- Bischoff. Stan- tweet right there. It sounds like it, doesn't it? It wasn't. Uh, yeah. It wasn't Tyler. Yeah. Hey, uh, how good are you guys uh, with your uh, Christmas classic uh, memories? I'm pretty good. Okay, so we got uh, a couple of holiday ticket packs available right now uh, for the Vegas uh-huh. Golden Knights, and they're named after characters from the uh, that animated special, "The Year Without a Santa Claus." Yes. Yeah, Heat All Miser right. and uh, was so it you, you Snow Miser? So the three game pack start at two ninety nine. Include uh, one Enchant Christmas ticket. I'm going to that uh, next week, uh, and give fans the option uh, to purchase tickets for three other games. So yeah, what uh, you got? Heat Miser. Yeah, Heat Miser, and then Snow Miser. Hmm. There's actually a you song. You're all over that. Oh yeah, yeah. So who's who's Heat Miser? Who's Snow Miser? Oh, I have to. Well, Heat Miser, I think, is the bad guy. I think they're both bad guys. Now that I think about it, and uh, mm. I'm I'm trying to remember because it's been a while <laughs> Wallace, since I've Wallace seen it. Wallace was just with a solid. Hmm. You've <laughs> never seen it, Ryan? No. Really? really? Oh, you know what? Yeah. I yeah, really. I will play the song that they sing tomorrow as one of our rejoins. They have a song. Promise. Oh, I really? promise. Yeah, I'm Mister Heat Miser. Yeah, yeah. So the Heat Miser pack is. Uh, Games for Tampa, Nashville, and L.A. And the, the Snow Miser is Toronto, Buffalo, and Boston. How about that pack? I would take the chance and buy the one. Well, I mean, if, if I could, I'd buy both. But uh, 
I, I would go with the one with Buffalo in anticipation that Jack Eichel oh, February 1st. plays that game because I think that's one where every every Vegas Golden Knight fan will want to be at that game. I think Buffalo fans will travel to that game. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's February 1st in Buffalo. <laughs> hey, now. I'm just saying, it's an opportunity. I mean, look, he's, I, no, 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 he's I, not wrong, Ryan. I, I watched that Bills no, know, Patriots game the other night, it. and it was early it. December. I have yeah. zero interest in being no, there in February. I, I had a uh, an acquaintance who was there. Oh, one of my old uh, oh. old producer buddies from from Toronto was there, and he was up top. So he went to the game, took uh, took his uh, kids to the game. His kids are teenagers, uh, and they went. They did not get out of their car. Before the game, no tailgating, oh. no tailgating. He said, we weren't doing that, but they were dressed for it. But he wore ski goggles. Yeah, you have to. And and he said everybody was envious. What he said it wasn't as bad as everybody looked uh, or thought from watching on TV. But he said he was full ski, like snow pants, uh, ski jacket, and and goggles, ski goggles, <laughs> and he was he was toasty. You have to, yeah, you probably have that little heat warmer that you put in your gloves to, yeah, to keep your hands shots. warm. Yeah. Uh, you ever use those? No, no. Fortunately, you know, we did have season tickets to the New York Jets, but it was never that cold or windy where we had to have those. Great Cup is this weekend, this Sunday, in Hamilton. I Ontario. just remember a couple of years ago when they brought Shania Twain out, mm-hmm. and it was like a blizzard. And I'm like, this is cool. The Lumineers and the Arkells are playing the halftime show of the uh, of the Grey Cup. Uh, who? The- you don't know either one of those? No. What what say, uh, say the bands again? Lumineers. Oh, I and think I know the. I know them. Okay, and the, the Arkells. Yeah, we Arkells? We we thought you said something different. Yeah. Why not Arcade Fire? They're Canadian. They're awesome. They are awesome. Maybe they've well done, done it before. Chapman. Well, they Good should pull. play it every year. Good pull. Arcade Fire. Rush. Mm, yeah, it's cold Slap though. It's December. <laughs> this is not the year. I, I give I give the Lumineers and the Arkells credit, but this is not the year to play us. A Grey Cup halftime show when when the oh, game's played in the middle fun. of December. Usually it's <laughs> it's late November, but a month later in in the Canadian Football League. Ugh. I actually know it's a someone good thing who the Lumineers are so heavy. Really get the the but, the, the but body you know what? Going. But that uh, that one like They're you're strumming bad. and you're yeah. doing that. That's got to be a little chilly. It's tough to. I think I think I don't know whether Shania the the band was actually just playing along to a track in the background. Or not, but it, I wouldn't play guitar in that weather. No way. <laughs> yeah, no, it wouldn't be a thing that I would do. How no many way. views does that get? Like, does all of Canada tune in for that? Yes. Yeah, it's the, it's the highest rated uh, TV program of the year. Oh, that's cool. Just just like the the Super Bowl. Awesome. Yeah, we I'm, started it. I think it's going to be on here too. I'm sure it will. Oh yeah, for 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 sure. Uh, so we've got uh, a couple of things going on. Uh, do you want to give us an update on Alec Martinez and Nolan Patrick? So, quick update on Alec Martinez and Nolan Patrick. Alec Martinez it was described as not taking steps forward, but it taking longer than anticipated to get back into uh, the lineup. So, it, it doesn't seem like Alec Martinez is going to be immediately available, probably a week-to-week type situation, seven to ten days maybe. Uh, and then with Nolan Patrick, uh, the, the update, the expectation is that he is continuing to progress. We've seen him out there with uh, with a non-contact jersey on. He's continuing to improve, continuing to get better, and closer now than Alec Martinez is to getting back in the lineup. It's funny because we saw Alec for one or two skates. Yeah. Uh, and he had the, the, the full bubble on. 
But yep. it gives you an indication. We had the numbers. What it was fifty-ish, fifty-plus yeah, stitches yep. uh, in, in in the face with the, with the laceration. But we're so used to him just bouncing and, and joining the 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 game and and getting right back out there. But it gives yep. you an idea of of how serious or uh, how deep that that cut was, and yeah. and where it was. Like just so scary. I cannot believe. It it, uh, it doesn't happen more often. If Nolan Patrick comes back, and he's knocking on the door here, where do you put him? Uh, I mean, I would put him on the fourth line. I, I'd put him as the anchor of that fourth line. I, I would keep Michael Amadio in the lineup because I, I like the skill that he's got. I, I really do. I think um, you see as he's getting more and more comfortable, there's a lot of – uh, plays that he is willing to try to make in the offensive zone. I think you need that from your fourth line. Um, so I'd, I'd probably go with Carrier, Patrick, and Amadio as my fourth line and, you know, let uh, let Keegan Colasar watch a game or two and then try to figure out the best way to maximize all these players that you have that you want in the lineup. So if you're playing a, a team like a feisty-ish team like Philadelphia, and they're not, like, big and bad, but they're yeah. angry – and then you've got uh, Nick Flino coming in on Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. and there's been some tangles there. And you're going on the road, and you need a presence on the road. Sure. It's it's not like you have have to have the muscle on the lineup, but do you have to have muscle on the lineup? That's a, I mean that's such a tough question because I think there are certainly moments where you do need it, um, and like. Keegan Colasar is more than than just that, right? Like he he was yes. instrumental in that goal for Michael Amadio, and he drives play and he finds himself in in really good situations, um, you know. But I, I think if Nolan Patrick's healthy, someone's got to come out of the lineup. Colasar has played that center position over the last couple of games. That would be the logical step. Like I don't think you're putting Patrick into the lineup and putting him on the wing. Um, so you know, there's there's logic that this that dictates that, but. I also think that there's a collective within this group, like Nick Hague's not afraid to drop the gloves. And I, I get like he's playing in a role right now with Alex Petrangelo where you don't want him to do that, but he has shown a willingness and a, a an ability to do that before, especially against uh, the Minnesota Wild and, and Marcus Foligno. Um, you know, and, and I think it's by committee. Like if, if this team gets pushed around, they're not going to back down. But I also think that that's kind of um, not, not, dialed into the Golden Knights identity in their bottom six anymore. Like they they've they're not a team that's going to go out and and out hit you and and try to run you in, into the ground. Like they're going to allow their forecheck and their pressure and holding on to pucks to be the thing that wears down their opposition so much as looking for the big hit. Up against it, time for a break. The play of the day is coming up. We'll also get into the new hire for the Vancouver Canucks as there's one general manager's job off the table. Tell you all about that. And we'll get into news notes from around the National Hockey League uh, as uh, we get uh, some uh, different looks from one team in particular, and that is the St. Louis Blues. Bizarre happenings there. There, It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Stay with us. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. We knocked it around. What was the most important goal in last night's 5-4 victory by the Vegas Golden Knights over the Dallas Stars? The people have spoken, at least the panel, on the VGK Insider Show. The vote on the 
play of the day, and it happens to be Mark Stone's second of the night. Breakout begins for the night. Stevenson in, left wing, Pacioretty back out in front of shot. Kick save, rebound, score! Mark Stone ties it! 13 to go in the third period. Max Pacioretty would come back and uh, win the game for the Vegas Golden Knights, but what I love about the goal, to tie it at four, is Mark Stone made the play that started everything going at one end, and then he finished it off at the other. We have news from uh, the National Hockey League and a new hire with a general manager, and what's going on in Arizona? And the the city clerk phoning the National Hockey League commissioner saying, uh, that team needs to pay its bills. Oh, we'll get into that. Uh, just at least give you the lay of the land. It's the VGK Insider Show. Hour number two is coming up.